Well, here we are again, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here for the Four Oaks Morning Pastoral Devotionals. It is a chilly morning. Let us see, Thursday, January 20th, 2022. And if this is your first time joining us, there's what we do. We take 10 to 15 minutes every weekday morning to unpack a portion of God's Word. And for this season, we're running concurrently with our series through the Book of Romans that we've been preaching on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, Rags to Righteous. There's so much happening in the Book of Romans, impossible to download it all and explain it all and apply it all in the course of a, of a few or 40 minutes or what have you on a Sunday morning. So we, we take these devotionals um, to pick and choose bits and portions of the text that we've been in and, and try to dig a little deeper. And so this past Sunday, of course, we were in Romans chapter five at Four Oaks, where we were talking about the two spiritual lines of mankind, the line of Adam, um, who came to usher in life and live under the obedience of God and to worship him and be fruitful and multiply the earth, but he failed miserably. And through that sin came sin to the whole world and for all of us. But then there's the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Paul talks about the same dynamics in play there, except Jesus obeyed perfectly. Jesus died of substitutionary death. Through his one act, he brought righteousness to us. Now, this raises a whole host of issues because this idea of federalism or representative theology or, or covenantal theology gets to the heart of how God deals with his people. And so you can open your Bible, and there's two divisions to it. There's the Old Testament, or Testament is just the Latin word for covenant, Old Covenant, or the, and the New Covenant. And what we've been trying to understand is how do these relate to each other? And how is it that what was happening under the Old Covenant relates to the New Covenant? How was, how was it pointing to preparing the way for? And as we've seen, God had a covenant of works with Adam. Adam, if you obey, you live. If you disobey, you die. And God and, and Adam failed that test miserably. Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. But the kind of the question is, well, what happens at that point from, from God's perspective once Adam and Eve fall into sin? And what we've seen is that what God did was usher in a covenant of grace that God was going to be on a one-way mission to claim a people for himself, and that this salvation was not going to happen by their hand or by their ingenuity or by their perfect obedience. It was going to happen by the sheer grace of God. And the way that God moves things um, under the old covenant, okay, moving to Jesus and the new covenant, is through a series of covenants, smaller covenants that are kind of under that rubric of the covenant of grace. Um, and, and that these all relate to one another. These all kind of push the ball down the fairway, so to speak, in terms of um, moving towards the new covenant. And, and, and we talked about the Noahic covenant, how God made a covenant with Noah and his descendants. He wasn't going to destroy the earth again, um, certainly not by flood and not till the end of the age, and how this sets the stage or the fact that we can live and move and worship and without the threat of God obliterating the world again. And in a lot of ways, God was promising not to obliterate the world in order to save the world, right? So this, this covenant 
with Noah was to preserve the creation. And then we saw um, yesterday how God then made a covenant with Abraham, and that this covenant with Abraham was a promise to take one man, Abraham, and multiply him into a nation. And not just a nation, but a nation that would ultimately bless the world. And this promise came to Abraham and his descendants. And so now we ask, well, what happens from this point? How does God go about fulfilling this covenant with Abraham to save the world? And the answer is the Mosaic covenant. Okay, so so here, here's the context. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We know the story. Jacob um, and his descendants end up in Egypt. Okay, God has made this promise to Abraham, but Jacob and his descendants um, are in Egypt providentially. That's a whole other story, several sermons worth of material. And they live there for 400 years. Okay. And at this point, God has only um, appeared to them through their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, well then, the time, of, the time to be delivered from Egypt has come. Israel has now multiplied from a group of 70 to a group of 2 million, and God raises up a leader, a prophet, a mediator named Moses, who is going to lead them out of Egypt, and this is going to be the next stage in the plan of redemption, the next stage in the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And now in Exodus chapter 6, I want you to listen to how God initiates this covenant with Moses and Israel. Um, Exodus 6, verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by not my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with greater acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So interesting, God says, I'm going to reveal myself in a way to you now, Israel, that I had not revealed myself to Abraham. See, to Abraham, he had just promised to, to that he was going to bless the world through Abraham's seed, that he was going to raise up a great people. But now what God reveals is that he's going to do this by bringing the people of the nation of Israel together as a nation. Remember, they weren't a nation at this point. They were just a group of vagabonds hanging out in Egypt and their father being Jacob. Well, now God says, I'm going to initiate this new covenant with you. It's not, and it's new, not meaning it's a it's, a, it's something different than grace, but it's a continuation of the Abrahamic covenant. And we see in the text, don't we, the connection between the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. God is going to call a people to himself. He's going to call them as his called out, distinguished. They're going to be a nation. They're going to be distinct. All of these things are new revelations, right? This wasn't, Abraham didn't understand how all this was going to happen. But now God is progressively revealing his will to Moses. Now, flip over to the page um, to chapter 8. 
And one, I want you to listen to one of the ways that God and Moses describe to Pharaoh what they are asking Pharaoh to do when they are released into the wilderness, okay? Um, and this is this this is this language is characteristic of all ten plagues. But look look at um, Exodus eight one. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me." Now, that word "serve" it means to minister. It, it's also the word we we get when it when it says it means to worship. Now, when God says Pharaoh, "Let my people go that they may go into the desert to wilderness to worship me." This doesn't mean they were going out for a worship event. This doesn't mean they were like camping out under the stars and they wanted to hear some good bands and some good tunes and they were going to come back to Egypt. No, no, no. What this means, it's a metaphor for this idea that God was calling a people to himself. He was, he was giving them a distinct identity. He was going to define the relationship between him and them. And not only was he delivering them physically from Egypt, but he was delivering them spiritually. And we see this all kind of come to culmination in Exodus 19. So turn there for a second. Now, Exodus 19, the Israelites have already gone out of the land of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. There's been that supernatural miracle where the armies of Pharaoh were destroyed. And now they are encamped around the mountain, Mount Sinai. And it is here that God is not only going to reveal himself to the Israelites, but he's going to give them his law, his covenant, his Mosaic covenant. Or when we say Mosaic covenant, what we mean is, is that Moses is the mediator for this covenant, okay? And God is going to deliver this covenant through, through Moses. Now, look at verse 18 in chapter 19 of Exodus. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The people came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, um, so the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Um, as for the as and the Lord said to Moses, "Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests welcome. Um, also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them." And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, and God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then at that point in the story, he begins to unpack his law. He gives them first the Ten Commandments, which is his moral law. He gives them the civil law, which is which were all the laws that were meant to regulate how they lived um, in relationship to one another and to the authorities in their life. And then he gave them the ceremonial law, which was des which was really uh, meant to show them how to worship, how to approach God in His holiness. And so, what you see here is the beginnings of the unveiling of the Mosaic Covenant. 
And this Mosaic covenant was meant to further the Abrahamic covenant, to give it more form. Now, what we're going to see tomorrow then is how this Mosaic covenant then helped to serve the progression of revelation that God reveals from the fact that Israel will now have a king. Not only will Israel be a great nation and a great people and bless the world, okay, but they will be a, a, a people covenanted under God by his rules and regulations who will then be led by a king, okay, who foreshadows the coming king under the new covenant. That's for tomorrow. But, but for, today, for today, just note, okay, that what we have here is this idea that God has given the civil, ceremonial, and moral law, the Mosaic Covenant, to the people of God to regulate his relationship with them. Now, understand, this was not a covenant of works, okay? It wasn't as if obedience to the Mosaic Covenant would earn them salvation. Paul makes this very clear in Romans and Galatians, but in the writer of Hebrews himself says, the, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. No, what, what this Mosaic Covenant was designed to do, okay, was to set the parameters around the people of God, being the people of God in worship of him, and also to show them that ultimately they had no hope of keeping the law and that it was only going to be by the grace of God that they would come to be saved. Part of the function of the Mosaic Law, and, and Paul talks about this in Galatians 3, was to show people that they couldn't save themselves, was to show the people that they needed a savior, they needed a mediator, they needed a redeemer. It was in fact to, to tutelage them to, as a school teacher would, to go to Christ. So even as the Israelites were given this law and as they walked in obedience to this law, they would realize they could not keep this law, okay, in their own strength. They could not save themselves. Um, much of the law would have been very laborious to them. We don't have time to get into all of that now, but all of it would have been preparing them for the coming, right, of a new covenant one day. But for now, the Mosaic covenant reigns, and as we're going to talk about tomorrow, then comes the Davidic covenant. Now, what's an application point for us? Well, you know, while Christ fulfills all the law, and we don't exercise the ceremonial and civil law in the same way the Old Testament Israelites did, God's moral law is still binding for us. It is still something that constrains us. It's, it's part of how we are defined as the people of God as we walk in obedience to him. And encourage you, spend some time between now and tomorrow, read Deuteronomy 6, read Exodus 20. This is where God's moral law through the Ten Commandments is on display. Interesting, um, almost every single commandment is referenced in the New Testament, all except the Sabbath day, and that's another discussion for another time. But all the commandments, um, Ten Commandments practically, are, are referenced to and shown to be still in force, okay, even under the New Covenant um, as we follow King Jesus. Okay, but tomorrow, same time, same station, hope you join us. Let me pray. Lord, we know we can't obey the law. We know that we can't be perfectly obedient. We know that we can't save ourselves. And Lord, remind us that this is to drive us to Jesus. This is to drive us to the Savior who kept the law as the second Adam perfect.